at that point, they're doing all these special tests on my left knee, and uh, three out of the four were positive. So, torn ACL, partially torn PCL, torn MCL. And that was the one they, they lift, you know, they lifted my left leg up and they supported me underneath the knee and the, and the surgeon grabbed my ankle and you know, he's facing me. So he's, he's moving my leg to my left, my foot to my left, his right. And after a certain amount, it's supposed to stop. And because the ligament stops it, he was doing that with mine and it just kept going. And like, I, I broke down. I mean, I just had like a complete emotional letdown because I, I knew I did something bad and I had already gone through like literally two years of rehab and it's like great now this is even worse than those like what the hell am I in store for this time hi everybody this is Dr. Kristen Biscalonis physical therapist I am the CEO of Journey Physical Therapy LLC in Morristown New Jersey I have overcome four ACL reconstructions and I'm here to share my story with you guys today and this is all because you're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week I'm excited to bring you Kristen Biscalonis, who is a physical therapist. Uh, she's the CEO of Journey Physical Therapy, LLC. She's very passionate about injury prevention and safety body mechanics and wellness. Uh, and that's partly because she overcame four ACL reconstructions uh, throughout her athletic career. And I think that's where we're going to start off today um, by talking about or having you take us through your ACL injury history. Lovely. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm happy to be here. Great. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, growing up, I always used to play sports, um, soccer and basketball my whole life. Travel teams, club teams, um, high school, you know, grade school, you name it. And uh, super competitive athlete. So um, I was summer before it was summer before freshman year of high school. Um, so I was about 14 years old. And uh, I was at the basketball camp trying out, um, you know, not an official tryout, an unofficial one where the varsity coaches are there, kind this of scouting. Is like, okay, this is before you got to high school. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so summer before freshman year of high school, uh, varsity coaches were there um, kind of scouting. And I was, you know, I play point guard. I'm short. I'm only five foot two. So uh, I was dribbling the basketball and I went to do like a little pivot and felt, you know, the pop in my right knee and immediately went down and, you know, everyone came running. That was the whole thing. Um, took me home, iced it. It was super swollen, you know, didn't really think anything of it because, again, I was 14 years old. Uh, started going around my, you know, playing and all of a sudden, like, I'd, I'd go to jump or I'd, I'd, I'd try to make a step down off of, you know, just going down the stairs and my right knee would buckle on me. So my parents took me in and, you know, found out that I had torn my ACL. And um, at that time, it wasn't too commonplace of an injury. I was the first one out of my group of friends to have done that. So the whole process was new. Um, so they set me up for the reconstructive surgery. So I underwent that um, just before the start of freshman year of high school. So starting high school to begin with is like a super nerve wracking experience. Right. And here I am. 
full leg brace in a wheelchair on day one. <laughs> so uh, thank God I, I knew most of the people at my high school because if that was a totally new experience, it would have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Um, yeah, so I I had my surgery. Um, I went through probably about six months of physical therapy for that. Um, did my rehab and basically got back out on the field. Um, soccer I, field. Soccer field and, and then basketball court. So okay. uh, before the next basketball season. So the whole rehab, like I said, was about six months, probably by the time everything was said and done, it was like nine months total. So um, I actually was doing a AAU league, so travel basketball over the winter to get ready for my next um, school year season. And uh, second, no, that one. Okay, so I did all my rehab. I came back and um, again, I played point guard for basketball. So I, I was on a breakaway, went away, did a layup and came down on my right leg and again just felt like a little pop so at this time it was like oh god here we go again. same leg same leg literally just finished all my rehab and um carried me off the court instantly my knee swelled up so I kind of had an idea of what had happened you know didn't really want to accept it because I literally just went through like almost an entire year of of you know rehabilitation for it right so they, they took me in, um, did the MRI, and of course it came back positive again for another ACL tear. So the next steps came. So what was like your thoughts, feelings, and emotions after that second time? Like you just went through the whole year, <sighs> you know, and then you know right away that it's you have to go through that all again. Yeah, it, it, it was frustrating. Um, again, I was so young. I just was kind of like going through the paces and I'm, I'm like a glass half full person. So it really takes a lot for me to get upset about something. I could tell. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it, you know, you get your initial letdown, but then there's always that thought of, okay, it could have been worse. You know, I can, I can get through this and thankfully I have a super supportive family and everyone's tight knit. So they were in my corner, you know, round two. So, um, because it was a retear, they actually had to do a pre-reconstructive surgery. Um, and that was probably the worst out of the four surgeries I had because they had to actually um, crack open my iliac crest. So they took bone marrow from my hip. That's what the iliac crest is? Correct, yeah. Gotcha. Is so that they, like your hip bone? It kind of looks like is, a crest. You know, like, yeah, if you see someone who's in really good shape and they have like that V, like yeah. that's like right by your hip bone. The, the iliac the, crest? The iliac crest. All right, now I know. There you go. You got it. Um, yeah, so they, they had to cut that open and take out bone marrow, and they used that bone marrow to fill in the screws, like the screw holes from the first reconstruction. Um Brutal. Felt like I got ran over by a truck because they have to cut through your abs to get in yeah, there. Like, Wait, I thought you were fixing my knee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I wake up and like yeah, I needed help sitting up in bed. Like it was, you know, like 15 years old. Like you don't want to have to deal Struggle with this. Struggle city, yeah. Yeah. So um, what, what was the graft for the first uh, surgery? Hamstring. I had hamstring. a hamstring graft. You being a physical therapist now. What is like the most successful graft to use in your opinion? So that's that's funny you said this because I actually uh, I actually was on a call today. Um, I'm I'm very involved in like the ACL committee, and uh, there's a group of us that you know chime in once a month and just kind of go about injury prevention. And the conversation came up. You know, what do you think is the most successful uh, graft to use? And um, 
the majority, especially for professional athletes, that those surgeons tend to lean towards patellar tendon grafts. Um, the reasoning why I'm not entirely sure, maybe it has something to do with uh, mechanoreceptors, which are something inside of your ligaments that help your body with its position in space and, you know, how much tensile force and, you know, how much movement goes on in there. They, they, they play a pretty big role. So yeah, actually patellar tendon graft, I think is, is the, the more common one for higher level athletes. Okay. Um, and they gave you a hamstring because... I think it had something to do with my age and um, I still had like growth plates, you know, like I, I still hadn't, my growth plates still hadn't cro- closed yet. Okay. So when they take out your patellar tendon, um, they actually remove two pieces of bone too, above and b- below. So I think their concern at the time was if they were to do that, they didn't want to interfere with my growth plate, you know, and I end up with like a little short right leg and a super long left leg. Right. Um, as long as a five foot two like can be <laughs> but um yeah so uh so they you know long story short I had that that pre-reconstructive surgery three months went by and that all healed up so then they actually went in then at that time to do the full-blown reconstruction okay um again I knew what physical therapy was all about because I had just gone through it for you know six to nine months and um decided okay you know let's let's maybe move on from basketball and and focus back on soccer because at that time, my goal was still, I want to play in college. Because okay. I, I was good. You know, I played on a travel team. I was captain of my team. And, not, you know, not to brag. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And you've gotten hurt twice playing basketball. So it's natural that you would probably shy away from doing that. Yeah. That wasn't like my focus at the time. So um, I, uh, I was playing for my high school's varsity soccer team. This is now like junior year of high school maybe at this time. And um, thankfully, I didn't have to try out. So uh, they had seen me play like one indoor game. And they're like, oh, this girl's pretty good. Like, we'll save a spot for you. So um, second game, second game into the season, uh, I usually played left outside mid um, or like sweeper or stopper, depending on the team. But um, to be honest, that means nothing to me. I'm not a soccer you're guy. You're not a soccer guy. All right. Those I'm sure soc- there are people that are listening to this that will know what you're talking say about. Say those soccer fans out there, this one's for you. <laughs> I always say I always joke around. My girlfriend was a college soccer player, and like mm. the only position you still I know, don't know anything. I know about center it? back because that was that's what she played. Other than that, <laughs> I don't know anything. So that's what you lead with. Oh yeah, soccer center back. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm very familiar with the sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah. So anyways, I I was playing, and it was the second game back after all my rehab for my right knee. And here I am, you know, full Don Joy brace on the right leg because I got to keep that safe. And I was back pedaling, and I went to cut. With my left leg, my foot was planted and my body kept shifting. And uh, it, it, long story, I mean, it was disgusting. I went down, I actually dislocated my tibiofemoral joint, which is the main joint of your knee that, you know, bends and straightens it. So looking down at my leg, um, it was at like a 45 degree angle out to the left. And this is my left leg. So obviously not a natural position, not the way your leg's supposed to look or bend. Um, so you could imagine any word that I could think of kind of came out of my mouth at that point because number one, it looks disgusting. And number two, it hurt like hell. Um, so uh, at that point, I mean, I, I, was, I was a basket case. I lost it because I knew I, I really did something this time. 
So they they were getting an ambulance for me, and I, I refused it. So my dad actually drove me to the ER. While your leg's still at a 45-degree angle? So, no, actually. So um, the athletic trainer uh, at Love that ATCs. high school. Seriously, though. So athletic this, trainer saved my life. I, I don't know who she was. Um, at this point, I don't remember. But it was at Mercy High School, which was like our biggest rival. And uh, this trainer came out and actually set my leg for me. And um, in hindsight, they had told me at the hospital, you have a big artery that runs through the back of your leg, your popliteal or popliteal, however you want to pronounce it. And um, I actually had a little bit of damage to that from the dislocation. And they had said if she didn't know what she was doing, excuse me, and she tried setting that, I could have completely severed it and needed an amputation. So she basically, you know, literally saved my leg for me. Um, I sent her like a fruit basket and everything afterwards is <laughs> the time I'm 15, you know. That yeah, what like, do you do? Yeah. yeah. Mom, can you give me money for that? I'm going to try to give her a shout out with this episode. I'm going to try to find That's what I'm doing right now. Whoever yeah. you are, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, so so that happened. I'm, I'm upset. Uh, I scheduled a follow-up appointment with my surgeon, you know, where I had been going for physical therapy. And uh, they do this test, it's called the valgus test, um, to check the integrity of your MCL ligament, which is the one on the inside of your knee. Which keeps your knee from doing what? So moving side to side. Gotcha. Yeah. ACL's? ACL is forward. Forward, back. Yeah. Yeah. So you have your, your anterior cruciate ligament, which is your ACL, that prevents forward movement of your tibia and your femur. Um, PCL prevents posterior movement or backwards MCL prevents middle movement or medial, and then LCL prevents lateral or to the left. Um, so at that point, they're doing all these special tests on my left knee, and uh, three out of the four were positive. So torn ACL, partially torn PCL, torn MCL. And that was the one they, they, lift, you know, they lifted my left leg up, and they supported me underneath the knee, and the and the surgeon grabbed my ankle, and you know he's facing me, so he's he's moving my leg to my left, my foot to my left, his right, and after a certain amount, it's supposed to stop, and because the ligament stops it, he was doing that with mine, and it just kept going, and like I I broke down. I mean, I just had like a complete emotional letdown because I I knew I did something bad and I had already gone through like literally two years of rehab and it's like great now this is even worse than those like what the hell am I in store for this time right so yeah that was that was not a fun time so how did you like how did you eventually handle like you're sitting here today and you're yeah you're in good spirit so how did you work, work yourself through that yeah and again like the first you know, the first couple of surgeries, I, I'm a glass half full personality. So I tried to find the positives in it. Um, and again, like I have a great friend base and a great family base. So the support system factor was huge. I mean, throughout my rehab, I'd have friends come over. Friends would go to physical therapy with me. A um, couple of my really close friends actually came with my family to the hospital for my surgery. Um, so that, I mean, that was huge. Like you can't be a young athlete and go through these things by yourself because it's a new experience. You don't know what you're going through. I mean, being a teenager in general is a tough time because you're going through so many changes. So, uh, it definitely threw a wrench in the system, but, um, the silver lining is I, I never knew what physical therapy was until I had to go through it. 
Gotcha, yeah. And uh, so, what was some of your rehab like? Like, what's what was the good, the bad, the ugly through those three experiences that you had that kind of triggered maybe something that made you want to become a physical therapist? Yeah, I uh, I always was interested in the sciences. Um, I was like the kid that would make like potions and like experiments at home, and um, so I always knew I was interested. She's a witch. In, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Halloween's coming up. Don't give away my secret. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was always interested in it and I, I was thinking of like doing maybe pharmacology or being a vet. And then when I what found the hell out is pharmacology, you know, like drugs, drugs, medicine, oh, farm, like pharmaceuticals. Pharmacists. I know pharmacist. I know there pharmaceuticals. You, there you go. I know pharmacy school. Put them all together and what do you get? Pharmacology. Boom. Right, cool. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, like I said, I wanted to be a vet. And then I got hurt and I was like, oh, a physical therapist is kind of like a vet for people. Like I could, I could do this. Like I like people. I like talking. And, um, yeah. So while I was going through physical therapy, I, I, uh, actually worked with, I think in hindsight, I always called her my physical therapist, but I think she was an athletic trainer because in the state of Michigan where I'm from, an athletic trainer can work under a physical therapist as like a PT assistant. Right. So, um, she was great though. Uh, she took me through all four of my surgeries. Um, the therapist that oversaw her, I'd see her, I think like once a week on occasion. And it was definitely more exercise based. Um, in hindsight, there really wasn't. As opposed to like manual. Exactly. Yep. You just, you just finished my, my sentence. So, um, again, you know, like I, I was a young athlete and I knew exercise. So it was basically like, okay, I got hurt playing a sport. So I need to go through exercises to get me better. Um, and it was fine. I mean, I never had any setbacks as far as the rehab part was concerned, which was really nice. Um, but after going through all that, it definitely was like, boom, like light at the end of the tunnel, eyes open. Like I want to be a physical therapist. I know I can do this. I know I can do this well. I've been on the other side of this coin and, yeah, uh, multiple times. Exactly. So you went to the same physical therapy place for every single yep. injury. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of different clinics back home, but the one I went to was actually one of the best at the time. And it was through university of Michigan. Uh, it's called MedSport. Um, so the, I feel like they have a concussion program there too. I, I've heard of it before. Yeah, they, they probably do. Um, I haven't looked into it in a while since I've, I've, you know, been removed from I'm that. I'm some, some of my previous, uh, some of my hockey players, female hockey players that I've interviewed, I think they've gone to there. Yeah. Gone there for concussion stuff. It's, it's a huge facility cause they see a lot of the university of Michigan athletes, um, my surgeon for the last three surgeries was actually the head of the Michigan football team. Like he was the physician for the football team. Excuse me. He was the, um, physician for the like, U.S. rugby team. So he, his name was definitely reputable. Um, and it was one of those of like, well, I'm your surgeon, like come see our physical therapist. So it's I like just natural. Yeah. yeah. It was a natural progression. Cause again, I, I don't know anything else. I'm, I listen to what the doctor says and yep. here I am. So, yeah. So that's how you, you got your interest in physical therapy. Yep. was by going through it myself. So what did they, what were they saying to you when you came in for like the third time? Like, do you remember what they said to you? It was, so I, I got very tight knit. Uh, it was, it was a good tight knit relationship with my therapist. Um, and, uh, 
she, I mean, I, I went homecoming queen in high school and she like came and showed up at the pep rally when they announced it. Oh, okay. Um, so she was pretty intimate with relationship. Yeah. We, yeah. we were like super close and, uh, like when she and her, you know, husband got married, like, you know, wedding gifts and wedding and high school graduation party came to that. So we, you know, I spent like my entire high school life hanging out at their clinic after school. So your senior year was the only year you weren't on crutches? Exactly. I guess it's a good year to not be on crutches. Yeah. Woo. High school, (laughs) best years of your life. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, we were close. So when I came back that third time, I mean, they were upset too. I mean, my, my, the physicians were you know, upset, like the stat, I mean, she was crying. I remember, I remember she was crying too, because I was so emotional. Your physical therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So can you kind of describe like what the current state of physical therapy is like in the United States in terms of like healthcare? I know there's a lot of drama in politics and everything with healthcare. Uh, yeah. I'm sure it has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, but can you kind of describe like what, the setting of physical therapy looks like today in most cases and kind of what inspires you to start uh, journey physical therapy? Sure. So um, most physical therapy clinics are big companies. Um, A lot of them are hospital based as well. And typically what you see is uh, a clinic where you have, you know, you have your physical therapist, there's, you know, maybe anywhere from two to one or two, actually, up to like maybe six or seven on staff. And um, your first visit, you get assigned a therapist. And that therapist sees not only you, but maybe you and one other patient, you or you and two other patients during the same given hour. Um, Also, a lot of times they have support staff to help them, you know, go through sessions because there's so many patients coming through the door. So, um, Given that most most big companies, most PT clinics are also insurance based. So, you know, a lot of people pay into their insurance and they want to use it. So, you know, if they have a low copay, no copay, um, the deductibles met and the end of the year is running around and they want to maximize on all their benefits. Those are the people that come in a lot um, because it's like that kind of like a sense of entitlement. Well, I paid for this. I'm going to use it. Um, So, you know, you have. A lot of people coming in, a lot of people during a given hour. Um, and uh, in, in my personal opinion, um, depending on the clinic, there starts to be less and less of an intimate relationship with your therapist. Like the ones that you had. Correct. And, right. and more and more of like an exercise-based program because there's so many people coming through. They're just basically, you know, here, you do this and stay busy for 10 minutes. Let me talk to him. You go over and do the leg press while she's getting warmed up. Let me throw a hot pack on you while I give him his home program. And it's just like that, like nonstop in, you know, revolving door of people. And um, thankfully, where I've had uh, my first job and, you know, most of my years as an actual physical therapist, uh, the max of patients we see are two people an hour. Um, But again, it's in an environment where you see some very low level people. So someone with a very bad brain injury, someone maybe who suffered a really, you know, horrific stroke and you know so on and so forth so it it gets physically and mentally draining you know and these are people who probably can't make it back to a sport exactly exactly so um being a, a former athlete and being on the receiving end of good physical therapy services um i i myself am am a perfectionist and i'm very detail oriented so 
when I have my clients with me, I like to spend as much time, direct contact time with them because I truly want them to get better. And um, the push is, you know, with healthcare now and costs and changes with insurances, you're expected from a business standpoint to see more and more numbers. So then that almost kind of limits your productivity in your, in your work because you have to see more people to make, make the same quota, more or less. Right. So it's becoming more of a business than it is, you know, like true healthcare. And I feel, unfortunately, I feel like most healthcare is starting to transition that way. Um, you know, your physicians are getting reimbursed less through insurance. So a lot of them are going out of network or they're not taking Medicare patients because they're getting, you know, like limited money back and it's a loss, pro- you know, profits and losses don't balance out. And so for me, you know, being so detail oriented and actually like caring about the people I work with and wanting them to get better. I finally decided, like, I, I had a conversation with a um, good friend and, and a former patient, and he's like, look, he sat me down, and he goes, what, do you, what is your end game? Because where you're at right now, you're going to get burnt out, and, and you can't progress. And he's like, you know what you're doing, you're successful, you're smart, um, you know, you're personable. He's like, there's got to be more out there for you. And that was kind of, I've always thought I'd want to do my own thing, but that was kind of the push I needed to be like, you know what, he's right, like, I'm almost 30 years old. What am I doing sitting here in like a dead end? So um, that, that was kind of the big push that gave me that, that, that was, yeah, the push that got me, you know, fired up to, to branch out and, you know, look into starting my own business and being my own entity. Awesome. Um, so what are some like red flags that athletes should look for? Like if they are in a physical therapy facility mm-hmm. that, maybe it should trigger a thought of like, maybe I should find a different place. Yeah. Like the, something more like what you're trying to create. The, the biggest thing in my personal opinion is if you're receiving physical therapy, at least right now, the way things are going is you're, you're there because you have an injury. So if you're in a clinic and you're trying to learn how to get back to normal or be healthy again, you want to be supervised to make sure you're doing that the right way. You know, you want someone to actually lead you and guide you through that properly. And if you're going to a clinic and, you know, basically as soon as you come in, the therapist says, hi, how you doing today? Are you in any pain? Oh, you're not too bad. Okay, here's a list of exercises. Go through these today. And then you see them maybe two minutes at the end or a clinic where they're primarily modality-based, meaning like, ultrasound, electric stim, hot pack, ice, less hands-on, you know, those are, those are passive things. That's like taking Tylenol, you know, it addresses the symptoms, but it doesn't fix the problem. So I would say big red flags is, from a patient perspective is if you don't feel like you're getting the attention that you need, um, if you feel like your, your goals are not being addressed and you feel like you're not getting enough one-on-one time or hands-on contact, then leave. You know, it's not like you sign a contract, you know, in blood saying, well, I'm coming here for three times a week for a month because that's what my doctor said. No, right. I mean, that's, that's as a young athlete, you know, if you, if you notice these things, speak up because you are allowed to get out and move and go somewhere else. Right. What's like the shopping around process? Like, can, can people shop around for physical therapy facilities? Like, what, what do you recommend in like yeah. try, trying to prevent 
even from having to look for those red flags? Just everyone come see me at uh, <laughs> Journey Physical Therapy. No. Um, I mean, you, you can go into a clinic and if it's somewhere in your neighborhood, you, you're allowed to call up and say, hey, you know, I, I might be a prospective patient. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see if I can pop over and take a look at your clinic and your facilities and see what you have to offer. Uh, if one of your staff is available, do you mind if I touch base with someone for a couple minutes just to see what they can offer me? And that's fine. I mean, I have people come in all the time that, you know, just want to call and talk and ask questions. And, and, you know, really the biggest thing it comes down to, in my opinion, is trust. And you want to find someone that you can trust and that you can have a good relationship with, you know. And uh, if you're, if you meet someone and you don't have that good vibe with them and you don't feel that connection as a patient, it's going to be really hard to trust that therapist and like, well, I don't know if they know what they're talking about. So I think there's a lot to be said about gut feelings. Yeah. And it comes up a lot on the podcast, like in general Mm -hmm. about like just listening to what your gut says. So yeah, I agree. 110%. Comes up again. So how, you know, in, you know, starting journey physical therapy, you know, how are you trying to separate yourself from the trend that physical therapy is, is going towards in, in the current healthcare system uh, in terms of like um, safe body mechanics and the incorporation of wellness and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So um, a lot of times, or at least the, the current thought process of physical therapy is, you know, why would you go see a physical therapist? Me? Yeah to perform like optimally, I guess, like after injury. Exactly. So keyword after injury. Yeah. So there's this big, you know, perception right now that you have to get hurt in order to see a physical therapist. I learned that the hard way. Yeah. (laughs) Now why you, you have an eye doctor, right? You see, you get an eye exam annually. You go see your dentist annually or every six months for a cleaning. You see your primary doctor annually because you have a physical why can't people start seeing their physical therapist annually and just come in and get a general screen? You know, they'll do a movement assessment, check your strength, range of motion, flexibility. And if there's limitations that are found, great. Here's some exercises. Here's some things we can go through together to make sure that you don't have an injury. So, you know, being, being on that flip side of things, every time I went through therapy it was because I got hurt. And at the time, there were no ACL injury prevention programs or you know, screens and you, you go into a high school gym. How many, how many high schools do you know have a full-time physical therapy or physical therapist employed? None. Exactly. So you have these kids that You're are. You're lucky if you have an athletic trainer. Exactly. And an athletic trainer that really knows what they're doing too. Right. That's, that's true of anything. So you're sending these kids into a gym that are busting their butts to try to make varsity. They're all competing for the same spots. They're lifting as much weight as they can because more is better. And, you know, I can out bench press you. I can leg press more than you. Anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I talk about this and how it has been my demise for my entire athletic career, <laughs> that mindset. But. So, so I'm speaking to you right now. I'm yeah, preaching to the choir. Exactly. So you have, you know, you have these kids working out, but yet there's no one there to properly assess their body mechanics and their movement patterns. And you may have someone over there doing leg press with their knees are kissing, and that's the complete opposite position your legs are supposed knee to be Knee knock, in. and they call that there too, There you right? go. Knee knocked, exactly. Yeah. Or knock kneed. But yeah, so, so what I want to do is, number one, take a step back and let people know like you can get physical therapy without being hurt. There is injury prevention. There are wellness programs, and that's a big part of what I want to offer with my services. Um, and then on the other side of that, 
you know, these clinics that typically most, most standard clinics see at least two people or three people an hour that are more exercise based. Um, nothing is more healing than human touch. So I'm a huge fan of doing hands-on activities, you know, manual therapy, um, you know, joint mobilizations to improve range of motion. I know I'm starting to go into physical therapy talk. I mean, I have that kind of background, so like it's good for me, but yeah. So it's, it's just, if my, my whole, um, delivery that I'm looking to do is one hour long sessions, completely individualized. They're one-on-one and I want to do as much hands-on specific tailored activities to the person I'm working with. Because again, I want to make sure that my clients, you know, who I work with, you have goals, you have things you want to get back to, you have things you want to improve upon. So I want to make sure that I do the best I can to ensure that you have a good outcome for that. Right. And I, I, from personal experience, I completely agree with what you just said, because I, as an athlete, waited until I was hurt for everything to like get fixed or whatever, as opposed to addressing the issues before they become an actual problem. And my knee injury was that my head injury was that everything was just me trying to be a freaking tough guy Mm -hmm. and, and going through it. And based off of the success that I have had at physical therapy facilities, like ones that you're describing, the ones that you've created, um, like at parabolic and you have these one-on-one treatments, um, I've got so much better and I've kind of told myself I'm faster like, too. Right. Yeah. Better, quicker. Fa- yeah. First less day. Visits. It's like, yeah. And the thing is, is like, I'm going to go to physical therapy for the rest of my life. Not because I'm hurt, mm-hmm. but because like that I don't want to get hurt. Exactly. Um, and that's, I think a tough thing oh. for athletes to, that to, is, uh, you're, you're speaking music to my ears right to now. Listen to. No, yeah. I mean, but the, the unfortunate part is, is like, I've been through it. I've had so many injuries. My athletic career is, you know, long over, um, despite how my various attempts to continue it with CrossFit and all that other stuff. Um, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm well beyond (laughs) shame on me. Uh, (laughs) So I just hope that athletes that are listening to this realize that you don't have to be hurt to go to a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to get hurt, go to a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. So. Thank I, you. I completely yes. agree with what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so what kind of things should athletes be doing like on a regular basis to try to prevent some of these injuries from happening in the first place? Um, biggest in thing, general. Yeah. I mean, in general, stretching is always important. Um, I, you know, I'll be the first to say I don't stretch nearly as much as I'm supposed to. Um, but another big thing is rest. Like let your body rest. Um, y- your muscles aren't meant to be firing on all cylinders seven days a week. Uh, And, you know, rest is just as therapeutic and as important as the actual strength training and the exercises you're going through because that rest is what, you know, increases blood flow and allows tissue healing and brings oxygenation, oxygen to the areas. And, you know, that's what promotes growth and healthy blood flow and musculature. Right. So So what is, this is something that I've always struggled with mm -hmm. is the recovery aspect of it. And like, what does recovery look like it, besides like just not playing your sport? Well, it's about or five not foot lifting. nine and has brown hair. <laughs> no, um, yeah. recovery is, is, uh, it's, it's, or what can it look like? It's like, what can it be? What can recovery be? Like, what can an recovery, athlete do that is like, 
I'm doing recovery now. Right, right. It's it's ensuring you're properly hydrated. Um, you know, drinking lots of water. If you're sweating a lot, you know, you're losing electrolytes. So you want to make sure that you're getting those electrolytes back in your body. Um, you know, it's it's eating right. It's sleeping enough. Um, I mean, most people don't sleep enough. Uh, if you're under the age of, you know, 40, you're supposed to be getting like eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, I know I don't do that. Um, I know a yeah, lot of people either, that don't yeah. do that. Like, what is what is eight hours of night? You know, eight eight, eight hours of sleep. That's that's like a work day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's being well rested, getting enough sleep. Um, you know, making sure you're properly hydrated, eating the right foods, and like I said, the stretching, the non high impact activities that you're doing to let your body. What about like all that like cryotherapy, cold tub, hot tub? cupping you know I mean, all that it's it's good that 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 does play a part in it it's just a uh a fancier way of going about it you right. know it's not it expedites not everyone has things. access to that kind correct of stuff, i mean yeah. if you're if you're uh an nfl athlete and you're getting paid a couple million dollars and you're beating your body all the hell during the week let me th- stick you in this ice tank and it's gonna help reduce any you know, chronic inflammation or acute inflammation you have throughout your whole body right. in a rapid amount of time. Yeah, a lot of my NFL guy interviews, they I always ask them like, so what do you guys do for like career longevity? Like of the veterans who are on the team who've been playing in the league for like eight, ten years, like what do they do to like stay healthy? And every single one of them like they go after like go hard on recovery just as hard as they go on the field like yeah. and trying to take care of their bodies like after practice after games and stuff like that so you have to i mean uh what's what's that guy's name um he's he's a uh, he's an announcer for ESPN um He's bald now, blonde hair on the sides. I think he used to be a quarterback. Terry Bradshaw? Terry Bradshaw. Have you ever watched him walk or Charles Barkley walk when they get to the screen? No. Doesn't happen few and far between, but they are hobbling and limping. I mean, something awful. Next, next time you want, well, this Sunday rolls around and you're watching them talk about fantasy football or the upcoming games. If they show Terry Bradshaw and he's up moving, take a close look at him. He, it's terrible how, how bad he's limping. I mean, their bodies are beat to hell. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and they're young. You know, they, they finish and they're like maybe 40 if you're lucky. A lot of them don't even make it to Not that. Not even close, yeah. And, 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 you know, their bodies are twice as old as their age. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that whole, you know, if you have access to the cryotherapy and the blood flow restriction and the... Do all of it. Do, yeah, if you have it at your <laughs> fingertips, have at it, you know? it's yeah. cool. Um, so before we get too far away from, like, the ACL stuff, like... What are some things that maybe parents that are listening to this can see, look for in their kids that might be red flags of like, you know, their movement patterns are not like obvious movement patterns of like this person's at risk for mm-hmm. an ACL injury? Yeah. So um, a lot of time, the, mo- the most common age group for a torn ACL is a teenage girl. Um, that is the number one, you know, recipient of a torn ACL. And there's a lot of factors that are commonplace with that. But the biggest one, you're, you're, your hamstrings are your dynamic counterpart to what your ACL does statically, passively. So weak hamstrings is a big one um, in, in proper jumping and landing mechanics. And that's not something that's ever really taught. So, you know, if they usually with those young athletes, it's not something that someone to the naked eye with the naked eye would be able to, to observe. 
but um, you know, I do movement screens. So like functional movement screens. Functional movement screens. So there's um, two tests in particular that I use called the Y Balance Test and the LESS. And the LESS is actually a jump test, um, and it looks at your your position throughout a jump, a squat, and the landing. And based on the alignment of someone's legs, it puts them in a certain category for if they're at high, low, or um, moderate risk for an ACL injury. And research supports it. I mean, they say that people that get tested and then go through um, a preventative protocol have a less like less likelihood of tearing their ACL than someone who doesn't. So, you know, if your kid, in general, I think if your kid's a young athlete and they're really serious about what they do, um, or even if they're not serious about it and you're just generally concerned about their well-being and, you know, maybe maybe they're a little skinnier than the other kids or they're a little less coordinated and they're kind of awkward and clumsy, get them in with a physical therapist and have a movement screen done. And that'll help solve a lot of potential problems that could have existed otherwise. Yeah, and prevent injuries down the road too. Mm-hmm. And we're going to... Uh, we're going to put a little video together that kind of explains some of the things to look for. And I'll be, I'll be the demonstrator of the perfect bad mechanics and you can correct them. All right. Can't wait. Uh, so you said that teenage girls are most at risk or most common age group for ACL injuries. Now does do ACL injuries discriminate against like the elite athlete, like the weekend warrior rec league player, you know, like, is there a more common one? that you see like is it usually the elite one or the ones who maybe I've I've seen the aren't full as gifted Yeah, I I've seen the full spectrum. Um you know, usually what gets the elite athlete is the amount of force and power that their competitors exhibit is, you know, they may be strong as an ox, but if you have, you know, your foot fixed and you go to pivot cuz these guys can run however many miles an hour, you're going to tear it cuz that force production is too great. So it's almost like they're too strong for their own bodies. Um, the, uh, the regular high school athlete, it's, it's, uh, you know, they're equally at risk because of that lack of education and that lack of proper training. Weekend warriors at risk because they don't do any training or they don't do enough for training. You go from zero to 100 real Yeah, quick. They're, they're going balls to the wall on the weekend, and yeah. then they wonder why they tore their ACL or they tore their Achilles. Well, because you, know. you sit at a desk all day. Exactly. You don't you don't do anything to prevent that from happening. Right. So yeah, I think I think all three categories are are equally at risk for different reasons. My buddy Josh and I uh, have this. We have a podcast we post every Monday about all the NFL injuries, and we kind of had this hypothesis that of like all these ACL injuries that come up, like non-contact, just people playing and stuff like that. That's the number one way to tear it. And we kind of thought that it was probably like you know, too strong, too fast for their own good. Like they can't, like their ligaments just can't handle the amount of force that their bodies are able to produce. It's true. That's a huge part of it. Because yeah. these, these, these men, you know, speaking NFL athletes in particular, uh, they train full time, you know, more than full time to be beasts, you know, freaks of nature. And they're just so jack that, you know, their body can't support itself sometimes. And right. That's exactly what you just said. So, yeah. So going back to your injury, uh, your, your series of injuries, <laughs> yeah. did you have any like hobbies or anything that kind of kept you occupied throughout that time? Or what did you do to like stay sane? Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of music, okay. uh, and I actually like drawing. Um, so I do, I, I dabble a little bit with, uh, the old graphite pencils, um, but I, I took piano lessons um, for like over 10 years growing up. 
So, uh, you know, just sit down to the keyboard and, and, you know, buy some sheet music and play some music or, um, you know, just throw on my headphones. And, you know, I, I, I love all types of music, like every genre, you name it. And I listen to certain things depending on my mood. So, you know, if I'm upset or something, I'm, that maybe was when I went through my uh, brand new and dashboard confessional phase. <laughs> um, you know, if I was starting to, you know, get ready to go to bed and I had some things on my mind, well, let me throw on some singer-songwriter like Nora Jones stuff. Um, but yeah, it just, music, music was a big part. And then again, just, I, I can't reiterate it enough, just having a good support system. You know, friends coming over to hang out with me and keep me company. My family being there for me when I needed things or just being there, it was huge. And I think, you know, speaking on that, I was kind of thinking, I'm like, it sounds like the people in your support system are like there, you didn't need to ask. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's probably not always the case for people. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're listening to this and you're in that situation, don't be afraid to ask for support. Yep. You know, don't be afraid to ask your friends or to ask your family or to, to be there for you. Because in this world of tough it out, suck it up, yeah, like, was, people are afraid to ask for help with yeah. these kind of things, especially like when it comes to mentally and emotional, you know, stuff. You know, it's kind of a well, and and not not to play the the gender card, but I feel like at least in the regards of injuries, um, female athletes are more of like, okay, well, it's a girl, like, okay, oh, it's okay, sweetie, you'll be fine. Versus if a guy's crying, they're like, oh, suck it up, bro. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you crying? Why are you upset? Like, man up. And, like, that's, that's like, the worst saying you could say to someone. Like, what does that even mean, man up? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like, you know, people are entitled to their feelings, and you're allowed to have different emotions. And when you go, something, when you go through something traumatic like this, you're going to be upset. And it's completely healthy and normal to be that way and be sad and, and you know, you know, want to talk it out with people. So hundred percent, right. like you, you gotta, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help and ask for support because you're going to, you're definitely not going to regret it if you do. Yeah. As one of my, my previous guests said, Kevin Ogar, uh, he's a paraplegic from a CrossFit, uh, injured, not really CrossFit, a, a weightlifting accident, I'll say. Okay. Uh, and he said, yeah, it's okay to have a bad day. Just don't let your bad day turn into two bad days, three bad days. Like have your bad day. And move and then on. Move on. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I think that's a that's a good one. So knowing what you know now as a physical therapist, when with proper body mechanics and stuff, do you know if you exuded some of those like poor body mechanics, you know, before your injuries? I mean, I honestly, it's quite hard to it's, be aware. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's so hard to. I mean, I, I didn't have a, a trainer that guided me through stuff, right. so I I very well could have been, you know, jumping and landing the wrong way and, and just had no clue because I didn't know any different. Right. Um, yeah, I, that's that's a tough one. I can't really answer it. But, right. um, yeah, I was just yeah. kind of thinking, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I kind of remember like my knees knocking when I used to jump or something like that. Yeah. But I, I was always like I was pretty athletic just naturally. So I don't I, I wasn't like the gangly one out there. And OK. Uh, yeah. So well, know. my my next question is kind of along those lines is are movement patterns like learned or is it like a genetic thing or, you know, like, is there such thing as muscle memory? Like you reinforce a bad habit over and over again, like it just becomes oh, yeah. like your movement pattern. Yeah. Um, there's a saying, you know, practice makes perfect. I, I change that to perfect practice makes perfect. 
Because you could practice something wrong a million times, and guess what? It's not perfect. You're going to be pretty good at it. It's Yeah, you're <laughs> going to be so good at being wrong, it's not even funny. So, um, yeah, I, I, I muscle memory is definitely real, um, and movement patterns are inherent. Like you have, you know, if you, if you see a six-year-old and you say, hey, go jump, they know how to jump, but, you know, are they going to do it the correct way? Are they going to land with proper body mechanics? I don't know. Maybe I mean, maybe I, they naturally will. I'm but. just thinking, like, do they see their brother jumping and like that? They, they, oh. they're like, that's how I'm jumping, or like their yeah. dad or their mom, um, or like for sure. I'm sure there's there's learned behaviors from that. You know, you learn by seeing, you learn by doing. Um, so I I definitely agree that they can be learned and observed, um, good and bad. Right. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So as we wrap up the interview here, um, where can people? find you and uh, find or make an appointment at least with uh, journey physical therapy everywhere no everywhere everywhere um i am based out of morristown uh, i do not have a clinic so i do home visits so um patients home their place of work if available uh or the gym they go to if available um again it's one-on-one hour-long individual sessions um and uh, I am out of network with insurance providers, but, you know, save that conversation for a different day. Um, but I'm, I'm very accessible because, again, you know, people value time and uh, they value good work. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to offer that. So um, you can find me. I'm on, I, ha- I have a website. Uh, it's uh, journey, or Um You can email me at info at journeyptheath.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well. And, uh, those handles are journey PT health. So I'll um, link all that up in the show notes for you. Awesome. And then my final question, which I ask most of my guests are, is what's your definition of toughness? Ooh, toughness. Uh, toughness is, I, it's a, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a personality characteristic. Um, there's a physical component and there's an equally big mental component. Um, I think toughness is being presented with a situation and it's how you go through it, whether it's something successful or something you failed at, but getting through that and gaining something from it. So whether it was a positive outcome or a learning experience, um, it's, it's taking all of that and really following what you love and, and kind of, you know, making your own road in life because, you know, life, life is tough. And uh, if you're really passionate about something, you, you have to really fight for it and, and, you know, stay focused on the prize. And, you know, toughness, toughness can get you there. Um, I, I've always been told, my, my mom says this to me all the time, well, you're a tough cookie, you know, this and that. And um, it's, I, I take it as a compliment because, um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about what I do and uh, I will fight for what I love and for who I love. And um, yeah, tough, toughness is just, it's, it's a personality trait that has its good and bad, but it's, it's getting to, you know, it's getting you where you, you need to go. I think you were getting at the journey of it all oh, and appreciating yeah. the journey. I'm exactly. tying it back all into Life the journey physical journey. therapy. Yeah, so Kristen, thank you very much for sharing your story and sharing your knowledge about physical therapy and how we can prevent uh, injuries from happening in the first place. And I, I really like the approach that you take to physical therapy because I've benefited from that same approach. Um, and thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Kevin. It was a pleasure. Anytime.